10. Well, if you have your Bible, you want to turn to John chapter 10. We'll be there in just a few moments. We are back into our series called The Word. It's a study of the book of John, the Gospel of John. And uh, it's funny, I was doing some research over the last couple of weeks. I ran into, um, uh, many of you know that I use uh, a commentary for this series by D.A. Carson. I actually ran into a video by him, a video teaching on the Gospels, uh, and specifically on the Gospel of John. And he said, do you realize that um, when this was written, it wasn't called the Gospel of John, that the Gospel and the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, these are the Gospel. This is the Gospel of Jesus, according to John. And just that distinction to me stood out, going, okay, listen, the good news, right? Gospel means good news, that God put on flesh. In the beginning was the Word. Word was with God, the Word was God, and He was there in the beginning, and that Word put on flesh and dwelt among us, that God came down, the best news ever, lived a sinless life, which by faith becomes our righteousness, died a brutal death and shed His blood. In a few minutes, we're going to remember that and come to the table of the Lord. That blood atones and covers and cleanses us from every sin you've ever committed and will commit. It is that sufficient and full. And so this gospel, this good news to those who would hear the voice of the one who calls, to hear the voice of the good shepherd and follow him, put their faith in him, that all of that Good news becomes our good news and our salvation. Today, and over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be looking at John chapter 10. We're going to look at this wonderful word picture, this, uh, this amazing image, this figure of speech that Jesus uses. And, and we're going to touch on, uh, it's ultimately in this passage where Jesus is described as the good shepherd. And today... We're going to look at um, this passage, and we're not even going to get into the, the statement, I am the good shepherd. We're going to look more specifically today where he says, I am the door of the sheep. Okay, we're going to look at that. But before we get there, um, let's go back a little bit. Sometimes it's tough just to jump back into a text when you've been away from it for so long, or even in your own Bible study at home. Do you guys ever have that where you open up your Bible and you just start reading at the next chapter and you're like, okay, where am I again? Like, where was I? Like, what did I read yesterday? How does this work together? So let's jump back a little bit. Let's look at chapter 9, right? We have the man who's been born, who was born blind. He was born this way. He was not afflicted later in life, but he was born this way. And his disciples ask Jesus, all right, Jesus, who sinned that this man is this way? Was it his parents or is it himself? Who sinned? And Jesus declares, neither. But it's that the works of God might be displayed in him, that the glory of God might be displayed in him. And so you get through uh, that, that wonderful miracle where he heals the man, and then now you have the Pharisees who are investigating Remember, over the last few chapters, Jesus and the Pharisees are definitely at odds. Jesus is doing things and pushing buttons of the Pharisees. There is division that is growing, and there's anger. They, they, want, they, actually, there's, they, they want him gone. They want him dead. So we get to the end of John chapter 9. Let's look at these last few verses as we get into chapter 10. It says this in verse 24. So 
For the second time they called the man who had been born blind and said to him, this is the Pharisees, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. And he answered, Whether he's a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I have already told you. I told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? Oh, man, could you imagine them just getting, oh, how dare you say that? And they reviled him, it says in verse 28, saying, You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, Why, this is an amazing thing! Exclamation point. You do not know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Think about that the next time you pray. Okay, God listens. He's not up there with a deaf ear towards his people. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. This is the man's testimony. What a wonderful testimony. They answered him, You were born in utter sin, and you would teach us? And they cast him out. Okay, they cast him out of the synagogue. Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And having found him, he said, so Jesus goes and he seeks out the man. He says, do you believe in the Son of Man? And the man says, and who is he, sir, that I might believe in him? Jesus said, you have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. Right? He opened his eyes so that he might see him. He opened his eyes that he might behold him as the Christ, and he speaks to him. Verse 38, he said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. Jesus said, for judgment I came into the world that those who do not see may see, and those who, may, uh, and those who see may become blind. Verse 40, some of the Pharisees heard him, uh, near him heard these things and said to him, are we also blind? And Jesus said, if you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. What a statement. Like I said, Jesus has been intentionally doing things, miraculous things, and doing these things on specific days, on a day like the Sabbath, the holy day, the Lord's day, and it shakes up, it stirs up the Pharisees, shakes up their religious piety, causes division between Christ and the Pharisees. Or at least it makes that actual division plainly seen. So then we continue on in chapter 10 today. Remember, your scriptures, your Bible that you hold in your hand, it originally didn't have chapter marks in it. This was a, this was a gospel. This was a letter. This was written all as one piece. And so as we read into this, take everything we just read into consideration. Jesus asserting himself as God Jesus asserting himself as the Messiah, as the one in whom all of Israel hopes. So let's read our text together today. It says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in another way, 
That man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, they did not understand what he was saying. Verse 7, so Jesus said again to them, truly, truly, second time he's saying it, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Let's pray. Father, again, we thank you for your word, and I thank you for your Holy Spirit alive in your people. God, today, move us, stir us, change us. God, open our ears to hear the voice of the shepherd. And God, open our ears and give us discernment, God, to know the voice of strangers and to flee. God, that we would not follow anyone but the shepherd of our souls, the one who found us and rescued us, the one who leads us into pastures, who leads us beside still waters. God, let us alone follow the voice of you, our shepherd. So speak to us, God, by your spirit, by your word, and let us live, let us follow boldly, declaring the name of Jesus. Amen. As I said, a few verses down from here, Jesus declares himself as the good shepherd. And you see a building up here of this beautiful word picture, of this beautiful uh, figure of speech, as it says in our text. Jesus is about to plainly call himself the good shepherd of the sheep. And we'll look at that a little deeper next week. But even in these first few verses, like in verses 2 and 3, it says, But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by his name and leads them out. And today, like I said, not just focusing in on Jesus as the good shepherd, but Jesus as the door of the sheep. That no one enters into him, into his fold, but through the door that is Christ himself. That little phrase is so significant. The scribes and the Pharisees, those that were listening to Jesus, they would have known the practice of an analogy like this. They all understood what shepherding was like in the ancient world. It was something that was common. It was something that was understood. It was all around them. They had the visual, and some of them maybe at a different place or different time in their life maybe even participated in the shepherding of sheep. Often we don't understand the fullness of the impact of a particular statement because we don't understand the context of these word pictures. We don't understand the fullness of them. And so I want to look at this a little bit deeper today. 
But I don't want to just look at the practice of the word picture. Like, okay, he's a shepherd, and this is what a shepherd would have done back then, and so that's what that means for us, and that's the nature of Christ, and that's the nature of it. But there's something even deeper to this analogy today. It's not just a clever word picture for the nature of Christ. Like I said, we'll unpack that a little bit today and a little bit more next week. But this idea of Jesus being a shepherd and him being the door of the sheep is an awesome, awesome God statement. It's not just a picture of his nature that he's caring and nurturing and he cares for sheep, but it's an awesome I am God statement. When Jesus is saying this to these Pharisees, I'm sure that there were so many Old Testament scriptures going through their mind, right? These were teachers of the law. When Jesus says stuff and he alludes to things, um, especially messianic things, I'm sure scripture upon scripture would flood back to these Pharisees' minds. Scriptures like the 23rd Psalms, which we all know, the Lord is my shepherd. Who is the shepherd of sheep? The Lord is. So when he says, I am the good shepherd, Whoa, that's a big statement. Psalm 79, 13 says, But we, your people, the sheep of your pasture, we give thanks to you forever from generation to generation. We will recount your praises. Psalm 95, 7, For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. It's not just a good word picture for the nature, the caring nature of Jesus. But the Pharisees would have understood that Jesus was saying that he is God. As he says that he's the good shepherd, he's making a big, awesome, I am statement. I bet the Pharisees would have made the connection, and I bet they would have um, understood and become more angered by such a blasphemous statement as such if Jesus were just merely mortal man. Came across the passage, I can't believe I didn't remember this sooner, but I came across this passage again this week. Um... One of the Old Testament prophets, Ezekiel, Ezekiel 34, I'm going to read 10 verses here, and I want you to see this, and I wonder if these words would have come flooding back to these Old Testament scholars, these Pharisees and teachers of the law. Verse 1 says, the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord, Ah, shepherds of Israel, who have been feeding yourselves, exclamation point. Should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up. The strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd, and they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered, 
and they wandered all over the mountains and on every high hill. My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth with none to search or seek for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, declares the Lord God, surely because my sheep have become a prey and my sheep have become food for all the wild beasts since there was no shepherd and because my shepherds have not searched for my sheep but the shepherds have fled themselves and have not fed my sheep, therefore you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, behold, I am against the shepherds and I will require my sheep at their hand and put a stop to their feeding the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths that they may not be food for them. Anyone who enters by any other way but through the door is a thief and a robber. I wonder if the prophet's words would come to the Pharisee's mind as Jesus spoke. the harsh words that they could be perceived to be when you put them in light of Old Testament prophecy. Okay, so let's get a little bit more of a picture here of what shepherding was all about. Anyone a shepherd in here? No shepherds in the room? It's funny, though, because about three years ago, we had someone in our congregation who had extensive experience shepherding sheep. And he was, we were talking about some of these analogies, and he's like, it's so true. When it says that a shepherd, like the sheep know the voice of the shepherd, so true. He had sheep, and he had people in his family that would try to call to the sheep, and they would ignore him. Anybody, kids, like, ignore your voice? Anyone? But they would hear the voice of him, the one who was the shepherd, and they would all come running. We don't have that experience in here, do we? Well, let's look at a sheepfold really quick. Okay, so a sheepfold is basically like a pen for sheep, right? It's just, it's kind of, it's an enclosure. And so if you were in urban areas, there would be an enclosure. And a lot of times these sheepfolds, they were made out of stone or bricks stacked on top of each other. And there was a gate that would, they would put in there and they would pen the sheep, particularly at night. And sometimes Shepherds, they would work together. They would work in kind of a shepherd co-op kind of thing. It was hip and trendy back then as well. And so they would bring their sheep together, and they would pen them for the nights and keep them all together. And then when morning would come, each shepherd would go to someone like a gatekeeper or a porter who was in charge of that little sheepfold, and that person would only open the gate to the shepherd. And as the shepherd would come, when it was time to take them out for the morning, for the day, take them out to pasture, the shepherd would go to the sheepfold and would call his sheep, and only his sheep would come. Amazing. Wouldn't that, you, 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 like, you would think, like, you would have all these sheep in this pen, all these sheep in this sheepfold, and you would think that you would get somebody else's sheep once in a while. But they would hear the voice of the shepherd and only respond to their shepherd's voice. How wonderful that is. But then, I, uh, in, in doing some research over, well, over the last few years, actually, discovering, understanding that shepherds would go on journeys. When they would take the sheep out to pasture, sometimes they were a few days' walk away from town. So you were away from 
the actual sheepfold. And so you have these sheep out in a pasture, and now you have to protect them through the night. So oftentimes what shepherds would do is they would make a temporary sheepfold. They would take brush or, or a thicket or whatever it was or whatever they could find, logs, sticks, whatever, and they would make a temporary enclosure for the sheep. And so they're out in a pasture, they're out in the middle of nowhere, out in a rural area, and they would make their own sheepfold. But unfortunately, building a gate or building a doorway was always kind of difficult. And so you would stack up brush and whatever, you'd make kind of a circular thing, but then there would be an opening that would need to be guarded. And so the sheep, the shepherd of the sheep himself would often lay in that opening. He would essentially be the door to the sheepfold in those remote areas. So if anything were to come against those sheep, they would have to go through the shepherd. For me, like, I I think about that imagery. Like, the way that Christ has called us his own, the way that Christ cares for us as a shepherd, and then to think that he would stand as the door, stand as the gate, that if you're going to get to my sheep, you're going to have to go through me. Any, like, mama bears in here? Like, protective, like, you know, like, if you got kids, you want to get to my kids, you got to go through me. I, I, I know you would, for sure. Absolutely. You want to get, you have to, we have a shepherd. Is there a brawl going on downstairs? <laughs> See, everybody's eyes going up. A little baby brawl down in the, maybe we should stop and pray for our kids' workers real quick. It's awesome. There's a few parents in here going, man, I'm so glad that's not my number. (laughs) It's awesome. The shepherd would stand in the doorway and be the door himself. No one could come and go except through him. I heard an illustration this week. uh, I believe it was Pastor John Corson. I was telling a story uh, of somebody that he knew. And, and back, I think it was like in the 50s or 60s, went to Israel and uh, was, was kind of just taken in the sights of the Holy Land and saw a shepherd out in a field. And this shepherd was driving the sheep, like kind of like a, like, like a cowboy would drive cattle. Like it was harsh. And he was really harsh with these sheep. And he was pushing them and driving them. And, and, and it was... This, this guy was perplexed because he has this image, this biblical image of, of what a shepherd was like and the caring nature of a shepherd. And he's watching this guy just kind of beat these sheep and drive them so hard. And he stops and he looks at a local and he's like, what is with the shepherd? And the local says to him, that's not the shepherd, that's the butcher. I heard that story this week, and I thought to myself, what a cool pic. Like, when you think of the nature of Jesus, the nature of a shepherd, someone who would build a nice little structure to protect their sheep by night, but then also stand as the guard, stand as the door that no one could come in or leave except through him. The illustration that Jesus is using, this word picture, would have been so vibrant to the Pharisees. 
to these Pharisees who are questioning, to these Pharisees who are accusing. They would have been so familiar with this type of analogy. At the end of chapter 9, they asked, are we also blind? And Jesus gives them this picture, and unfortunately, they don't see, they don't understand. Jesus is the good shepherd, as we'll talk about more next week. His sheep do know his voice, and he calls them out and leads them into green pastures. They know his voice. And the beautiful thing about our text today, it says, not only do they know his voice and follow him, but when they hear a stranger's voice, they flee. You see this picture here. Jesus is calling those out of Israel. When you're looking at this sheepfold, Jesus himself is is calling out his own from the people of Israel. Later on in in our text next week, we're going to look, and Jesus, I think it's in verse 16, says that I have other sheep that are not of this fold. He's talking about Gentiles. He's talking about other nations. So right now in this sheepfold, he's talking about those of Israel He's calling them out, calling them his own, and that they will hear his voice and follow him. How precious it is to hear the voice of God. If you are in this room and the gospel is not foolishness to you, do you understand that that is a work of the Holy Spirit himself? Our flesh will have zero inclination to follow Jesus. Our flesh has no desire to submit to him. The fact that we have heard the word of God and the Holy Spirit has taken that word and made it alive to your soul is such a precious, precious thing. I was trying to explain this to my kids the other day. I was like, hey, they, they had a hard time believing this, but I, how precious it is to hear the voice of God. How precious it is, it is to read his word, to hear his word, and for it to become alive in our hearts. I, I told them, I told my kids, if, if dad ever goes off the rails, it's a real possibility. Um, if dad ever goes off the rails and starts talking foolish, particularly about Jesus, run. run. Like, trust the voice of Jesus. Like, if, if even dad himself starts talking foolish about Christ, because him and him alone, he is the only way. Like, we have to be discerning. We have to be discerning in the voices that we follow. We have to be discerning in the voices that we give ear to. Anybody who comes in another way except through Christ, anybody who comes another way, all who came before me, they are just simply thieves and robbers. He's specifically talking about the Pharisees, of course, the teachers of the law. But even today, there are those who try to steal the sheep those who promote other ways to life. 
when I look at our world around us, there's ample opportunity to find your truth. Somebody's got an opinion, he's got a new way, got some form, whatever feels good to you, whatever appeals to you, and it's so, so destructive to find your own truth. There's plenty of teachers and preachers and leaders out there who promise you all this insight to make you more enlightened and to make you more woke, to lead you into life, but it's really about selfish indulgence. I think about preachers and denominations who have incorporated fleshly, even sinful pursuits into their very theologies. Whether it be a, a, a destructive and vicious prosperity gospel, whether it be, goodness, I mean, there's just so many. We need a discerning ear to hear the voice of Christ. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 3 says, if, any, if anyone teaches a different doctrine, does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus, our Lord Jesus Christ in the teaching that accords with godliness, he is puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. He has an unhealthy craving for controversies and quarrels about words. It produces envy, dissension, slander, evil, suspicions, constant friction among people who are depraved in mind and deprived of the truth. Imagining godliness as a means of gain. Using godliness, using the gospel as a means of selfish gain like a wolf, like someone who would feed off the sheep instead of feeding sheep, instead of nurturing and caring, using them for their own appetites. Heard a preacher this week say, how do you identify a wolf or a thief or a robber? Right? A lot of times we use the, uh, the idiom, you know, uh, a wolf in sheep's clothing, right? Usually it's, when you look at the church, it's a wolf in shepherd's clothing, actually. How do you identify a wolf? One pastor's like, just watch what they eat. Look at what they eat. They're eating sheep, probably a wolf. They're eating grass, out in the pasture, being led by a shepherd, probably sheep. Jesus Christ is the only way, He is the only door. We must enter his belonging, enter into his care, enter into his life, his eternal life, through him and through him alone. Do you understand that? It's, it's, it's only through Christ. We cannot enter by mere religious works. We cannot enter by mere religious doing. We cannot enter by new age enlightenment. We cannot enter by our own merits and our own goodness. We must enter by Christ alone and through his blood alone. It's not Jesus plus all these other things. It's in Christ alone. And today, if you hear his voice, 
the Holy Spirit has opened your ears and opened your eyes. If you hear him call you, if the Holy Spirit beckons you like the blind man, if he's opened your eyes to behold the good shepherd as the door, then rejoice. Because it's a blessed miracle that you do. It's a blessed miracle that you see. It's a blessed miracle that you hear. And that God would choose you. There is much to rejoice in. When he calls your name, enter by him, follow him, and receive the abundant life that he offers. Eternal life that the good shepherd offers his sheep. He leads them into green pastures. He leads them to still waters. He restores their souls, as it says in Psalm 23. Verse 10 of our text again says, The thief comes to only steal, kill, and destroy, but Christ came that they might have life and have it abundantly. Of course, that's eternal life, right? When you see him face to face at the end of our time here on earth, or if he comes back for his church, that there is a blessed hope of eternal life that is truly the most abundant, the most abundant form of life. But for us even now, for us even now in this life, we have a blessed and sure hope that is the deepest sense of security and footing and anchoredness in Christ. The whole world is tossing and churning at every wave, whether it's uh, economics and finance, whether it's world markets, whether it's politics, whether it's social justice, it is constantly ebbing and flowing. And if we want the abundant life in this life that is only found in Christ, he becomes that sure, steadfast anchor of the soul that as culture sways and turns, we can have just such a blessed, blessed hope even now in this life. There is a joy in this life when anchored in Christ. There is an, it's, that's not de determined on, on circumstances. That's not dependent on circumstances. A joy that transcends all of our circumstances. That even in the trials, even in the struggles, that because Christ is our sure foundation, I have joy because he is my Shepherd, and I am fully loved and fully cared for by him. There's a transcendent peace and that abundant life in this life. Because of the hope that we have, because of the joy that he brings, we have a peace. That's what, you know, we talk about abundant life. What is it? It's not about stuff. It's not about everything going right, but it's this peace that consumes your soul even when the world around you could be burning to the ground because of Christ my good shepherd you hear his voice he calls you by name come to him find pastures find still waters find rest for your weary souls I think it's funny that Nate quoted Matthew uh, chapter 11 earlier today Come to me, all who are weary, and I will give you rest. We talked about that Christmas Eve. Right? Come to him. Hear his voice. Listen to his voice. Come to him and find rest for your weary souls. We enter because he is the door. We enter by his blood. 
reminds me of a verse here. And as we kind of wrap up and go to the table of the Lord in just a few moments, I was thinking about Hebrews quite a bit this week as well. Hebrews 10, Hebrews 12, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19, it says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter this, uh, enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. Confidence to enter into the holy places by the blood of Jesus. That he is the only way that we have confidence. He is the only way that we have access by the new and living way, verse 20, that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from, every, from an evil conscience, excuse me, and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. As we transition to a time of communion together, Have you heard the voice of the shepherd call you? Have you heard the voice of the shepherd call you away from your sinful life and into him and into him alone? There is no other way. There is no other access. He is the door of the sheep. So today, if you hear his voice, respond to your shepherd. Before we go to the table, let's pray together. If you're in this room today, and you need salvation for your soul, you have not put your faith in Jesus before, today is the day for you to confess that and make that a reality. you would acknowledge his call, that you would respond and follow him. So if you're at your seats right now, you can just simply pray that prayer in your hearts. Jesus, I need you. I confess my sins to you. I confess my need of you, and I decide today to follow you because I have heard the voice of the shepherd call me. I've heard the voice of the shepherd call me by name. So Jesus, lead me. Just simply at your seat, make that your prayer today. Put your faith in Christ and find the abundant life that he has to offer. Today, if you're in this place, maybe you just need rest. Maybe today you just need a touch from the Holy Spirit. Coming out of a busy holiday season, sometimes we just kind of feel a little run down. Not just a physical rest, but just a touch to our souls and a touch to our heart. Like the, the thing I love about our God is he is so faithful to meet with us and to touch us. Today, if you need that rest, if you need that touch from him, reach out. Ask the Holy Spirit to fill you again. To satisfy you again. So, Father, we come before you. I thank you for my friends. God, for those in this room today that are making that, dis that decision to follow you, are hearing your voice today, and they are confessing their need of you today, God, touch them right where they're at. 
pray that your Holy Spirit would bear witness in their hearts, that they would put their faith in you, and God, that they would find the abundant life, the eternal life that is found only through Jesus. God, for my friends in this room today that need a touch from you, more of your Holy Spirit in their life, more of Jesus in their life, more uh, of your voice in their life, God, I pray that they would tune their hearts right now, that you would tune our hearts to hear you, that you would tune our hearts to uh, relish your presence, to be satisfied in your presence. God, that we would experience abundant life in you. Joy unspeakable. Peace that passes all understanding. Hope that never wavers. God, please give us the abundant life in you. Help us, God, to be a people, to be a church. God, that lives boldly in the abundant life that you have to offer us. Boldly, joyously, declaring all that you have done for us. Joyously, declaring all that the shepherd has done. The world may know that you are the only way to eternal life. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together. As we come to the table of the Lord again, I want to remind you that this table is open today. You don't have to be a member of Mercy Hill Church or belong to this church to participate in communion today, but you must belong to the church of Jesus. And if you prayed that prayer in your heart today, congratulations. Praise God that you belong to his fold, that you belong to him. And so this table is open to you today as well. In a moment... Nate's going to sing, and we're going to slip out of our seats, and we're going to take the elements. Please take them back to your seats and wait for the instruction. And as we read through the passage in Corinthians, we'll participate and we'll partake together in thanksgiving for all that he has done, that he has made us his own. We have access to the God of heaven because of the work of Jesus. He shed his blood. His body was broken so that we might have life in him. The curtain was torn in two. We have access to the Father because of Christ and his beautiful work. Again, Jesus, I thank you for this moment. I thank you for your shed blood. I thank you for your broken body. I thank you, God, that you have made us your own. Be glorified in this moment. Help us to remember your death until you come back for us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's slip out of your seat and receive the elements. <laughs>